Jesus said is what we've been focusing on. And if you'll join me in Matthew 5, 1 through 6, we're going to talk about what Jesus said being blessed means. Being blessed. We've talked about it a bit. But here it is. Being blessed is to be fulfilled, to be content, to be satisfied, to be happy, to have purpose, to have reason, all these things. And we're all looking for that. And many of us in this room have already found it in Christ. You're watching online. Jesus is it for you. And yet you have to be reminded every single day, much like why we take communion every time that we're together, you're reminded that Jesus is it. Even your failures, even the frustrations, even the absolute losses that we endure are consistently brought before us to have us look to the one that fulfills us. But we are so desperately in need of a redefining moment, even as Christians, but especially if you're in this room and you don't follow Christ and you're wondering what all this is about the blood and what all this is about Jesus and what all this is about making a big deal out of him and do I have to do something to earn it? No. Do you have to do something because it's been given to you? Yes. You get to, but really you have to. That's what you were made for. Birds that aren't flying, right? Unless they're penguins. Then they fly in the water, which is beautiful and amazing, and I could watch that for a long time. But birds that aren't flying aren't content. They were made for that. You and I are not worshiping Jesus with our everything. That means we, we got room to improve. We got places to be. We got things to do. We're being called to more. But we're also allowed to rest. And like, I don't have to earn it, but I get to live it. And what a gift. And so with all that, we're going to go to what Jesus says in these six verses about being in his kingdom and being blessed and what that looks like. And then we're going to hit it pretty hard on what it means to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Poor in spirit, recognizing you need Jesus. Not just when you were a sinner, because you still need him now, because apart from Christ, you can do nothing. Doesn't mean you're not saved when you in the poverty of spirit, recognize that you need a king? You are. And it doesn't mean that you don't get to stay saved as you recognize that you still need him today. I'm going to ask just, and I mean this, as a, as a chance for all of us to see who's around us, right? How many of you are Christians that still need Jesus? I know that's like almost placating, almost pandering, almost a no-duh. But I mean, just one more time, just for the sake of it. How many of you need Jesus and know Jesus already? This is good, you guys. This is a reminder for us that he is life. It's his kingdom, and we're in his kingdom when we recognize that we need him, and it's not us that can make it, not our family, not our friends, not our finances, not any of it. 
But we also, because of that, we see the sin and the effects of sin and the fallout of sin in this world, death included, and we mourn and we grieve. And in him, we will be comforted and we are comforted. And finally, last week, we looked at this meekness. Meekness, this power under control, this humility, this gentleness, this reality that, gosh, we need something more than the power that this world so longs for. And that meekness, all of these things, poverty in spirit, mourning, grieving, meekness, all of it is modeled perfectly in Jesus. Well, this morning, for the remainder of the time, we're going to talk about being satisfied and hungering and thirsting. So what do you guys recognize that satisfaction means? What does it mean to be satisfied? Fulfilled. Got everything you need. Nice. Content. It's a big word. Happy. Good. So. There you go. So, Leslie, that's a good word. It's transient. It's like we're satisfied, but we keep needing to be satisfied. Like oxygen? Anybody need that more than once? (laughs) Same. Weird. Food, water, fulfillment, love. Absolutely. So Jesus is this strange wonderful tension of being all that we need and we need him all the time. He's fulfillment and yet we need more of him to feel that and to know that, to understand that. And he's very clearly dissatisfied. Some of you are going to hear that and go, oh, he's mad at me. He's dissatisfied with me. No, you know what He wants us to be fulfilled. He wants us to be perfected. He wants us to be loved. He wants us to be satisfied in him and him alone. And so he is a redeemer that continues to redeem. He continues to fulfill. He continues to be enough for us, and yet we continue to look in a lot of different places. Paul David Tripp is a husband and father and grandfather. He's a teacher. He's a pastor. He's a all kinds of different ways certified counselor. And in his daily devotional, which is a lot more than a few sentences, and it's a daily reminder of my need for Jesus and the amazing grace that Jesus has, but it's called New Morning Mercies. He wrote this for October 25th, which was just a few days ago. Our problem isn't that we're dissatisfied. Our problem is that we are too easily satisfied. We're all too satisfied with who we are, where we are, and what we're doing. Now, I've come off of that this whole last few days going, oh, goodness, do you share this? Because then there's a number of you that sit there and go, am I doing enough? 
Does Jesus like me? Check yes or no. Have I I done enough? Is he going to save me? You couldn't save yourself, only he could. And when you come to him in belief and in faith and in confession and in repentance, you are saved. And yet the sanctification, being made holy, this is ongoing and you get to be a part of that. And yet for many of us, we're like, oh, I got just enough Jesus. I got just enough church. I mean, with respect, I love you enough to say that some of you have already checked your phones multiple times today. And it wasn't because your phone is your Bible, although many of you it is. You're either checking your fantasy football stuff, you're checking the weather, you're checking the time. Well, if you were a better teacher, we wouldn't be saying, amen, pray for me. Pray for me. But, I mean, we're just easily satisfied. I got enough. Gosh, I hope he's done by 1015. Many of you know that I used to have to be done by 1005. (laughs) Some of you are like, what, that was a time that we had here? What? I'll say this, for a number of you, that extra 10 minutes has been good for your little quick nap. <laughs> I mean, for real, let's just, just be honest. I get it. If I was sitting here and not taking notes, it would be me too. But this is the move. <laughs> but later on the Seahawks game, most of you who are down for that aren't going to be like, you're going to be like, oh my goodness, they're wearing the 90s uniforms. And you'd be all kinds of stoked. I remember being a youth pastor and hearing that ADHD, ADD, which I am a firm card-carrying member of, you're like, what? No. (laughs) But whatever. But I heard that kids can't sit and listen for 15, 20, 30, 40 minutes. Oh, you mean these same kids that before TikTok and before Snapchat, before Instagram, were able to spend so many hours playing video games, watching stuff? I get it. It's a little different than just sitting and and listening. I try to interact. But I was like, if they want it, they can focus on it. And so how do I make them want it more? Do I do more jokes? Do I learn how to moonwalk? Do I do all these different things? And I tried entertaining and all that. You know the one thing that we have that nobody else has? Jesus. The truth. Do we have to be fun in how we do it? Yeah, we should. We should be compelling and winsome. But tell the truth. Be uncompromising with grace and truth. Live in the tension of these, all these different extremes, and we get to live just kind of like smack dab in the middle, but not like no Rocky Debody, but like I'm really focused on Jesus. And so with that, please listen as I go quickly as we look at hunger and thirst. Because many of us hunger and thirst for all kinds of things. And if you're not sure what hunger and thirst means, it's your desires, it's your wants, it's your needs. And so the Bible is super clear that we are designed to hunger and thirst 
Yeah, for food and water and love and oxygen. But most of all, God. That's what your soul was made for. That's what mine was made for. So let's quickly look at this. Psalm 42, if you'll turn with me back to Psalm 42. It's one and two. Many of you have heard this and sang this, and we've got a couple of songs that have this in there. But Psalm 42. is David crying out. Well, I guess it's sons of Korah crying out for more of God. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? When shall I be able to see his face? This is an ongoing, longing, yearning, needing, thirsting for God. Some of you feel that and can't get enough of him at times. And some of you, it feels like all of the time. And some of you are like, this is weird. Thirst for God? I've thirsted for a lot of things in my life. I've needed and yearned for a lot of things, but I've just really never felt like God was it. I lovingly let you know that wherever you're trying to find, like the whole looking for love and all the wrong places thing, it's Jesus that you're looking for. It's only him that will satisfy and fulfill. And yet, as Leslie said, you're going to want more. You get filled up and poured out, filled up and poured out. You want more and more. It's not like you have to get saved over and over again, but you get more and more of Jesus because that's what you were made for. And a lot of us get really, really busy, so we get a, a, a dose of the ghost, and then we're out. And we'll just come back and get a little bit more, and then we're out. Like we're filling up at the gas station, we go out and do our thing, come back and fill up, and that's good, except don't do that once a week. Hey, I'm not that good of a teacher. You need more than me. And B, did somebody say amen? Okay. <laughs> Hallelujah. No, seriously, though. (laughs) Hallelujah. I'll take that. I I think I'm better at shepherding. No, that's good, though. That's good. I love you, buddy. Happy birthday again, by the way. You guys, if we long for something more than Jesus, we won't find it because there's nothing more than him. As this deer pants for the water. He says, my soul pants for you, thirsts for you, my God, the living God. When was the last time you were so excited to spend time with God? For many of you, it was today. You prepped your heart, not just for Sunday, but every day. You wake up, you've been sleeping, you're like, oh, I got to get some more Jesus. Not just because you had a horrific dream or just bored out of your gourd, but you just want more Jesus. And some of you are like, "Ah, I want to get there. And I promise you, he's calling you to more of that. You get to listen or not. Let's go really quick to Psalm 63. We'll go five through eight. This is more of what it's looking like. And he says soul. Again, it's like your deep yearning, who you really are, at the core of who you are. He breathed life into you, your soul. 
my soul will be satisfied, fulfilled, as with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Dear friends, I will say it right now. In this very room, there are so many of us, if not all of us, that have had to cling to God. We've looked for God in the darkness of the night, in the difficulties of life, in the complete shattering of our realities. And we didn't necessarily go to God to begin with. We even might have cursed him or wondered if you're even there. Why? But we find ourselves like longing for something better than what we have. And it takes something really tragic many times to open our eyes. But not for all of us. Some of us actually just kind of grew up with it, knew it, kind of believed it. We kind of get these crises of faith every now and then. But really, for the most part, we're just like, yeah, God's good. And like Paul Tripp said, you're satisfied with just a little bit. But you know, the saying really stands pretty true. You don't know sometimes that he's all you've you need until he's all you've got. And that whole poverty of spirit, if we could just back up a little bit, is that's what he's talking about? Is that you desperately need him. Not just because you lost your job or you lost your dog or you lost your wife or your husband, children, your parents. There's a number of people today that are grieving so deeply Because an actor named Matthew Perry died. He was from Friends, and he was Chandler Bing, and people loved him. Still do. He was so content for, he said, about eight months when he got so popular and famous that he got the best seat in the house. And he got all these girls and all these drugs and all this alcohol. And he said he spent probably about $9 million on trying to get sober. He said, none of what I thought was going to fulfill me filled the holes. And I don't know if he knew Christ. He died in his hot tub. And that seems tragic and weird and avoidable. But I don't know. Could have had a heart attack. Could have had a stroke. I have no clue. But I can tell you out of his own mouth, he said, I wasn't fulfilled. Tons and tons of rich people think that. And many of us are like, gosh, I would love to give it a try. (laughs) Hungering and thirsting. These two psalms are just great examples of hungering and thirsting for what's right. Jesus, God. Not the way Baptists say or Lutherans say or Pentecostals say, but the way God says it's like, I'm it. I'm life. I made it. I designed it. I fulfill you. I sustain you over and over again. It's me. It's me. It's me. It's me. It's me. If you go to the Bible and you read Genesis to Revelation, you know who you're going to find out is the hero of the stories? Jesus. God, the Holy Spirit, it's not about man except God loves man, but not more than he loves himself. Well, gosh, wait a minute. Are you trying to say that this whole thing is about glorifying God? Yep. 
well, wait a minute. Isn't he like Jesus saying that you have to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness? Isn't that a little egotistical? Not if you're God. Who else should we seek first? Sadly, y'all should probably go ahead and be honest that you've got a list. My kids, my spouse, my future spouse, who I don't even know yet. Where are you? Come find me. (laughs) Money, 401K, multiple homes. And I mean, I already have Jesus. I don't need all these extra things. I just really want them, and so I find myself distracted. Friends right here, hunger and thirst for Jesus. Time with him, learning from him, longing for him, living like him, talking about him, sharing who he is with people. He knows what we need, and it's him. doesn't mean you hate everything and everybody else. It's back to what Ben said. It's a credit check. And it's not just, I did that on Sunday, and now I get to do everything else. Oh, I tithed. I gave 10%. I, 90% is for me. It's all for him. What are you doing with it? What are you doing with your life? What are you doing with your time? What are you doing with your talents? And what are you doing with your treasures? Not so he can love you more. He loves you so much. Already, you can't earn it, friend. But you can't receive it, and you can't live like you know it. We live in a time where it's really, really mean to say that some things are wrong because I feel right about them. Hungering for righteousness and hungering for Jesus, hungering for right relationship with him, which is righteousness in a nutshell. That's what you were made for. That means sometimes you got to say no to yourself. And yes to him, even in a relationship where people are like, oh, I feel judged by you. I'm not trying to judge you. I'm trying to love and honor the one who made me. I'll breeze through these. Jesus talked about hunger and thirst. And he talked about it, about himself. He wasn't delusional. He's God. And he knows what you and I need. So go with me really quickly to John 4, 14. This is such a profound story. I'd love for you to be able to read all of it. It's this woman who comes to a well. Jesus is there. She's Samaritan. She's had a lot of different husbands. She's gone a lot of different ways. And Jesus says in 4.13, which I don't have on the screen for you, everyone who drinks of this water, the water from the well, will be thirsty again. But, verse 14, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. What in the world is this water that he's talking about? Well, just a few chapters later in John 7, 37 through 39, like I said, Colleen went ahead and preached most of my message for me, but I'm into repeating myself, so here we go. Jesus is at this huge feast, one of the three that Jews would have had to celebrate, remembering God's goodness, the Feast of Booths or Sukkoth just recently in 
what they're remembering is that when they were out camping for 40 years, God provided, like Colleen reminded us, through some really miraculous ways. Bread from heaven, who is Jesus. That's the picture of it. And then water from a rock, who, well, by the way, is Jesus and his spirit. And so they'd have to remember this, and they would have this time, and they would pour water. It would be so really, really cool. And on the last day of the feast, John 7, 37, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. He hadn't risen from the dead. He's like, look, I'm going to go, and when I go, I'm going to give you a comforter, right? You mourn, you'll be comforted. You don't celebrate sin. You don't excuse it. You grieve it. You repent of it. You get comforted by God. Look, your sin isn't going to carry you anywhere except away from God. And so he's like, look, thirst for me. I'm going to give you water that will keep you so satisfied. It's me. It's my spirit. And as we've read a ton of time, just go back one chapter to John 6, 35. He is the bread of life. John 6, 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. <laughs> Did you, we started this whole thing out about hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Anybody want to take the end of the story for me? What's righteousness? Right relationship with God. Righteousness is Jesus. He came and he suffered. And he said, you're going to suffer too, but you're also going to overcome. More on that in December. But enough to say Jesus is righteousness. I know I kind of flipped through these quick, and I know it's because I always feel... I feel the tension of the time, and I just tend to ignore it anyway. So let's go to 1 Corinthians 1, 30 and 31, and I will wait for you to get there. And I'll just say, as you're getting there, I mean, the screen's available, but I love that you have Bibles and you want to look into them. So please, by all means, 1 Corinthians, you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians. Blam! 1 Corinthians 1. 30 through 31. Jesus said, whoever comes to me and believes in me is satisfied in me, with me. The reason why I'm bringing this whole thing up over and over again is that there's Christians that forget to be satisfied in Jesus. As Paul David Tripp said, we get satisfied with just a little bit. You need more. And that's okay. You all do. We all do. We have to keep coming back, as Leslie was saying. This is a transient 
satisfaction, not Jesus himself, but just that feeling. And so we get to be reminded. Last night, I came home from hanging out, doing all kinds of different things. It was about 930. And my wife says to me, hey, there's a guy or two down at the bus stop. And they're just like laying there. I'd love to tell you that if you acknowledge me as your pastor, that your pastor's first thought was, I better go see what those guys need. My first thought was, oh, man. And she's like, I just didn't think you'd want me to go do that. (laughs) You thought right. I need a hunger and thirst for the right way. There's a lot of depth in all that. We have extra family members in our house right now. My thought after all this and having prepared for this message and knowing what a desperate need for Jesus I have is that one of the applications of hungering and thirsting for righteousness is to actually take homeless into your house. There's Bible for that. But we're like, oh, gosh, that's my house and my kids and my grandkids, you know? And I get it. And you should probably be really, really cautious who you bring into your house. Since that wasn't going to happen, I started getting on the horn and trying to figure out where the cold weather thing is. And it happened to be in Monroe. And there was still like almost an hour. Like I got there at about 9.30 to talk with this man. Long story short, He didn't want to go. So I gave him a couple extra blankets and a sleeping bag. But as I was going back to get those things for him, I realized, gosh, he could be all nice and warm and not even know who Jesus is. Your evangelistic pastor had to be reminded on the second trip over oh, yeah, there's something deeper that he needs. I need Jesus. I'm not trying to be harsh with myself. I'm trying to be real. And so we prayed, and he knows the Lord, and he's a believer, and what happened there is all kinds of different things, and he just didn't feel like leaving. And I didn't feel like staying. And I know that God still loves me, and I know that there's more for me. And I know that there's more for you. Jesus satisfies, and here's why. 1 Corinthians 1, 30 and 31. Because of God, you are in Christ Jesus. Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, And sanctification, which means being made holy, being made perfect, which you're not there yet. And redemption, he paid for us. So that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And then it's a chapter later, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. One of my favorite go-to verses. You've heard me say it a ton. For our sake, God made Jesus to be sin, who knew no sin, 
He was perfect. And he made him sin so that in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. Friends, I ask you this morning, encourage you, challenge you to be satisfied. Not with where you're at, but with whose you are. Be satisfied, not with just knowing some of Jesus, but knowing more of Jesus. So it's this longing, it's this waking up, it's this day that I get to go and make much of the Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let me rejoice and be glad in it. But I don't really feel like it. I know that's a great time to lean in. More Jesus, less you. What does that look like, Aaron? Good question. How can you move towards Jesus? For all of us, it's repentance. It's like turning back away from myself and to him. For some of you, that will be the first time today, that, like the first time in your life that you've done that, and it's to confess that he's the Lord, not you. And so you've repented and you acknowledge that he's the Lord and you believe in your heart that he died and raised from the dead. And so you're saved and that's wonderful. But some of us, the confession and repentance and the following of him isn't for salvation. It's for sanctification. It's for satisfaction, not gratification. That doesn't last. Satisfaction does. And yet you need more of him because you got tonight and you got tomorrow as long as he gives those to you and so you walk it out you need to repent and I need to repent of being too easily satisfied well I did my devotional I spent a whole hour with the Lord now to what I really want to do I don't think that's everybody's thought but I know it's enough in me and other people like gosh I, I got it Sundays are so difficult for people who like to get things done Especially when I'm going over time here. Gosh, I mean, it's, it's so nice out. I can finally get some things done. I go and, and spend time with the Lord and time with his people, and that's wonderful. But then I get to really get to the list and knock out the things that I need to knock out because I only get one day off. You guys, maybe it's fellowship with other believers Starting a small group, getting involved in one, a home study, chance to pray together, going through the word. How do you move towards him? There's lots and lots of ways. Maybe helping each other. Maybe getting off your phone for a while. I know I've asked you guys this multiple times, and some of you just aren't like the whole tech people. But if you would, go to our website. I have a very specific live it out video that we have one that we try to give people some steps and the step that I have for you is a different kind of fast and I want to ask you to go and check that out if you're like yeah none of what you said and like I just don't hear what God is saying to me about being satisfied and being fulfilled and being content from what you were saying Aaron well first of all ask God to give you something because Aaron's certainly not it but Maybe, just maybe, this thing that I give you out of Isaiah will be helpful for you. Well, why didn't you do that in here? Because I'm out of time, so let's pray. Father, I want to thank you that nothing in all of creation is greater than you, the creator. Thank you for your fulfillment. Thank you for the satisfaction. Thank you that our hunger is only satisfied 
in you. And Jesus, you're fulfilling us all the time, and so may we keep coming to you and indeed coming back to you. God, I thank you so much for my family and friends right here today. Thank you for this morning where we could be together, where we can celebrate and we can honor you. God, you're awesome. Nothing is greater than you. Help us to remember that and to believe that and to live it out by your spirit who lives inside of us, that living water. So grateful, Lord. Satisfy us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 